We're new creations in Christ, yet we still have this body of death. We still have temptation to do the exact same things our old man used to live in and function in. But we've been saved. The power of sin has been broken. We've been justified and now are being sanctified, set apart by his word through his spirit in the context of faith. Thanks for joining us for this Tuesday edition of Equipping the Saints, featuring the Bible teaching of Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, today is Letter Day, where we have a chance to hear what our listeners are saying about Equipping the Saints. And Dave, I have a comment from Mia from New York. She said, I was so inspired today by the radio program. Can't thank you enough. Thank you for all the work you do. Well, Mia, you are so welcome, and we are so thankful to our Lord for the privilege to bring his word forth, and uh, we are so thankful for the encouragement he brings through listeners like you. So, Greg, what will we be studying today? Well, Dave, today we're going to continue our look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11, in which we're going to continue to see that we who are in Christ are to be setting our mind on the things above. We're to be allowing our minds to be renewed through the Word of God so that we would not live a lie, but we would put sin aside and obey the Lord and trust Him to live through us by faith. Well, it's a wonderful passage, so let's turn there together. Well, be sure to stay with us for the end of today's broadcast. Greg will join us in studio with some practical application, and I'll also be back with information on how you can obtain messages from the series for your own library. Now, let's join Greg for today's teaching. Love covers multitudes. We let it go. Now, there are certain times, certain places of Scripture we have to deal with sin. We see that. It's not being let go. But for us, we're to put this stuff aside. These things come from an unforgiving heart. Titus chapter 3. Let's turn there, actually. Titus chapter 3. Now, this is going to be a statement to speak of how we're to behave with the government and also with one another. And it's a reminder. Titus 3. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Hey, we're to obey the government. We're to obey the rulers and authorities. Now, that not what they cost you to sin. That's no, you don't. Not speak of Jesus, no. But we're to obey. It is God's servant. We see that in Romans chapter 12. It is to punish evildoers. Okay? We're to submit and obey. And then we are to humbly pray. If we want our government to change, we pray about it. We see Paul telling Timothy that he doesn't desire anybody to die in their sins. We see that. But we're to be praying for our leaders that we might be able to live a peaceful and quiet life, which is good and acceptable. We need to pray for him. He says... To be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, verse 2 of Titus 3. To malign no one, I read that earlier. To be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Boy, that would make life easy for the police officers in the millennium, right? Everyone's treating everyone nicely. He says here, for we also once were foolish ourselves. We were just like them. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another, But when the kindness of our God and Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us. We were like that, but we've been saved. Don't act that way. Don't act that way. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. You can go down from our passage just a little bit. We're going to get to it, Lord willing, next time. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion. Tear off those sins 
like a dirty garment and replace them with the character of Christ. Put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And then notice this. Like I said, does anyone have a complaint with anyone? Well, the passage says here, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. We're to put these things aside by the power of the Holy Spirit. Anger and all its evil relatives. Don't go there. Don't give in to it. Hopefully next time you're tempted to be angry or you fail, you'll be convicted and you'll confess and set it aside, trusting the Lord to help you deal with that circumstance his way rather than your way. Hope you do that. If you fail, confess. Saw that earlier. Some angry situation happened. The people confessed and they hugged each other and forgave. Praise the Lord. Confess. Present yourself to Christ. Put death, sin to death. Strip it off like a filthy garment. Now at this point, as we continue, notice in verses 9 to 11, we're given a powerful motivation to obey these commands. To not live a life that is contrary to who we are in Christ. Indeed, we're going to see we're to stop lying to one another or living a lie in contradiction to who we really are. And we're to put it off. Verse 9, Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another since you have laid aside the old self and its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. He begins with this statement, do not lie to one another. And we know in scripture we're not to be lying. We know that in Revelation chapter 21 that there are no liars are going to be in heaven. They're not going to be in the new heavens and new earth. No liars. We know that Satan is the father of lies and a murderer. But we, by and large, as believers, we're not living a consistent, ongoing life of lying. So what's he talking about here? Some commentators say here that it's, he's just speaking of another list, thing on the list. Stop anger, this, this, and this, and lying. But as I look at this, is that the case? As I looked at the grammar of this, I think it weighs against that interpretation. You say, what do I mean? Well, first of all, the list of things that we just read in verse 8 are all in the aorist tense. What does that mean? They're all, stop it right away. Stop this thing. Boom, 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 boom. Stop it. Okay? Stop A, B, C, and D. Put it off. And if he wanted to add lying, he could just stop lying. He could just add it on the list. So why does he do this? Inspired by the Spirit. You see, in verse 9, we have a new verb introduced in the present tense. Stop your continual habitual lying. Okay, that's interesting. You might even have in your notes, NASB, stop lying. Okay? Now, obviously, we're not to lie, but is that a, totally what he's saying here? I think he's introducing a new command based on what's going to come forth here. So what do I mean? Notice what he says. Literally, do not lie to one another or stop ongoing lying to one another. That's the body of Christ. Kind of interesting here. Do believers walk around lying to their brothers and sisters all the time? I don't know. If, I don't think outright they do. I think if they were, maybe they're not saved. So what's he talking about? You can literally say this, do not continue lying among one another. What does that mean? I believe he's saying when you do these things, especially in the midst of the body of Christ, figuratively speaking, you're living a lie. You're living a lie that's opposite of who you are to be. You have put us the old self and you've put on the new. This is not who you are. And when you act this way and live this way, it is in total contradiction to who you really are. I think that's possibly what's being said here. So he's saying, stop it. Stop doing that. 
By the power of Christ, renew your mind, and as we'll see, stop these sins by taking them off like a jacket. Satan wants you to think, oh, you're bad, you can't get out of it, no way, it's, you can't do it. You can put it off in Christ, just like a jacket. So why would we put these things off? I think it's supported here. What I just mentioned I think is supported. Certainly we don't lie. We should stop that absolutely. But I think it's supported by the context. Look at this. Do not lie to one another or stop lying to one another. Don't be hypocrites. Don't be something you're not. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. I think the context makes it seem that that's what it is. Not for sure, but I think that's it. So now it's important to note this term, since you laid aside the old self, and verse 10, have put on the new self, they're both aorist participles. What does that mean? Completed action. It's happened. It's a done deal. That's what that means. If you've died with Christ, your old man is dead, and you've been laid aside, and you've been raised with Christ, you become a new creation, don't live a lie. It doesn't match who you are to be an angry, wrathful, bitter, slanderous person. It doesn't match. Throw it off like a garment when you're tempted. We're going to be tempted, by the way. So I'm not tempted. Well, guess what's coming? We're tempted. So here, positionally speaking, in Christ, our old man, now this says the old self here, but it says old anthropos. It's the old man. It's a terminology Paul uses to help us understand something. You see, positionally speaking, when we, before we were saved, we were in Adam. Our old man was sinful and a sinner. And bound in sin, we see that that brings about death, leads to death. But in Christ, grace reigns to eternal life. You see, our old man, when we believed in Jesus, was crucified with Christ. We have, in position, died to sin, and we are now raised in newness of life in Christ. That's the argument he's going to make. Romans chapter 6, and let's go there. I'll read it for you. Romans chapter 6. And this is the argument he's making here. Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace might increase? Because, wow, God's grace increased when sin increased. Should we just keep sinning up? May you never think that way. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Romans 6, 2. Now verse 3. Or do you not know, do you not know something that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, placed into, identified with, have been baptized into his death. Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so too we might walk in newness of life. Now he uses a new analogy here. For if we have come united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing, look at this, that our old man, old self, was crucified, or literally in Greek, co-crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. Now if we've died with Christ, we believe we should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death is no longer master over him, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all. The life he lives, he gives to God. Even so, Consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. You don't need a system to stop sinning. You need Jesus. You can say no to sin if you go to God. you got to go to him. Paul would go so far as to say, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in my flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself from me. 
We saw in Colossians 3.1, if you've been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things above. It's all about who you are in Christ. Don't lie to one another. Stop lying to one another. In Christ, your old man has been crucified. Since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices, or not doings, but praxis, that's the word, the things you did all the time, and have put on the new self. There's that old southern preacher said, be who you is, because if you ain't who you is, you is who you ain't, right? We're believers. We should walk that way, right? So this term old self is literally old man, and the term new self is literally new man. Actually, the word man is not there. It's just new. Because before we were saved, we were in Adam. And because of sin, sin reigned in our lives unto death. We had no power over it. We were slaves to it. But when we trusted in Christ... His death to sin and his life to God was applied to us, and we were set free from sin, united to Christ, and now grace reigns to eternal life. i got to think of these things when I'm tempted to get angry. I don't have the power to stop, but in Christ I do. I can put on a heart of compassion as I trust Jesus to deal with those things, as I trust him and I renew my mind and believe he is who he says he is in terms of how he will act in my life if I trust him. So then for the believer, literally the old man with its evil practices has died. It has been laid aside. It has no more power over you unless you yield to it, okay? And the new has been put on. Wow, we are what Paul would say is new creations in Christ. Now I love this because this term laid aside the old self isn't the same term used earlier about taking off a garment. It's a term in Greek that means to strip it off. When you were saved, your old man was stripped from you. Stripped from you. Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Yet for every true believer listening right now, we have a dilemma, don't we? We're new creations in Christ, yet we still have this body of death. We still have temptation to do the exact same things our old man used to live in and function in. But we've been saved. The power of sin has been broken. We've been justified and now are being sanctified, set apart by his word through his spirit in the context of faith. And he is conforming us to the image of his son as our hearts are renewed. Notice this. We're going to see that. Verse 9, do not lie to one another since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices and put on the new self. And notice this, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. We've been clothed with a new man who is being renewed. Our text literally says, and having put on the new, done deal. Having put on the new. Now we'll see in Ephesians, that's a process we can also talk about it in the practical, everyday aspect too. But this is the positional, it's been put on. And he says, putting on the new. And then he says this participle phrase, the one continually being renewed. I think you could translate it that way. The new is characterized by this phrase, the one being continually renewed. I say, hi, you're the one being continually renewed. You're the one being continually renewed. That's what God says. You are being continually renewed if you are in Christ and a new man. You're the one being continually renewed. Now, this is great. Now, you might know in Greek there are two different words for translated new in our English language. Neos speaks of new in relationship to time. Okay? And kainos speaks of new in respect to quality. The new man here in our passage is the neos man. Hey, you became a new man in relationship to time. You're brand new. And then in 2 Corinthians 5, we looked at it, 
We are kainos creations, new creations, new in quality. And what's interesting, this word renewed kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? Comes from the word ana kainos. Ana meaning again, kainos meaning new in reference to quality. We are being new in reference to quality over and over again. We're being renewed. Isn't that great? That is great. We are the ones being renewed. And notice this renewal is unto something, on our passage, unto a true knowledge. The term epinosis speaks of a fuller relational knowledge in context it's with Christ. I'm being renewed concerning his will and who he is continually. We are the ones whose minds are being renewed. We yield to the flesh. Our minds are seeing things wrongly. They don't see him rightly. We don't see our circumstances rightly. We get renewed. We see him rightly. We see our circumstances rightly. We're being renewed to a true knowledge. Turn to Ephesians 4. This is the same thought here. Now, he's going to talk about the new self being put on in the present tense. Remember I told you what our passage speaks about our position. It's already happened. But there's the practicality of doing it every day, which we're looking at also. Ephesians 4.20 But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and been taught in him just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life you lay aside the old man, that's what it says, which is being corrupted according to the lust of deceit, that you be what? Anakinos, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteous holiness of the truth. Be renewed! The new man's being renewed. What about Romans 12? We know this, right? And do not be conformed to this world. Now, it's in a passive voice. Don't let yourself be conformed by default. You don't do anything. But be transformed, metamorphosized. That's transformed through the renewing of the mind that you might prove in your behavior what his will is, right? When God's word dwells richly in our minds, we're thinking of things above, we're being renewed. You get angry and you renew your heart and mind with what God says about anger. You renew your heart and mind about the danger of giving Satan a place, how it's what we shouldn't do. You renew your mind about how we're to actually respond and forgiving and letting things go. You renew your mind. You're renewed. We're the ones being renewed. And it's in the context of a true knowledge of the Lord. It's a relationship with him. Then look at it. Something interesting here. It's according to something. End of verse 10. According to the image of the one who created him. This renewal is in accordance with the image that speaks of the likeness of the one who created the new man. Who created the new man? God did. Christ did by bringing about our salvation. So we're being renewed in the image of the one who created us. That's really great. This renewal is a true knowledge of Christ in his image. You know, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. To those who love him, who called his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. When you're putting off the anger and you're putting on kindness, trusting Christ, you're being renewed, you're being conformed to the image of his son. You're being made more like Jesus. It's not the way you are. It's not who you are. Don't live that way. Don't live a lie. Renew your heart and mind. And notice lastly, it's a renewal that doesn't come from man or is based on man's significance or not. Notice this. This is pretty important. Verse 11. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all and in all. 
Now you might notice in your verse 11, renewal is in italics there. It just means the actual words, not in the original language, but in the Greek, it's implied. So you can put it there. Absolutely. Now, this term in which there is no distinction between is literally in Greek, where there exists no. Where there exists. So this renewal is in a place where there exists no Greek or Jew or circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free man, but Christ is all in all. Greeks were the educated Gentiles. We know what a Jew is. Circumcised, uncircumcised, religious, irreligious. Barbarian, the word comes from the word barbar. It spoke of an uneducated grunt in a sense of a race. Scythian was one who was worse than a barbarian. It doesn't matter who you are, slave or free. But more importantly, this renewal is not based on man or who you are, but on Christ. You can't say, well, my past was so bad and I just can't do these things. No, it doesn't matter who you are and who you were. It matters about Christ. He's the one doing the renewal. And Christ is all and in all. You don't need anybody other than Jesus Christ to be renewed. He uses his spirit by his word to change you when you trust in him. And a side note, instead of making your struggles about you and your old man, oh, I struggle with anger, bitterness, blah, 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 I had a bad upbringing, you know, or this and that, they treated me bad. You're a new person. You're a new man in Christ. You're being renewed to a true knowledge. And it's Christ doing It's all about him. It's not about you. Therefore, when we struggle with these things, set your mind to things above. When we fail, confess, he'll forgive you. Don't live a lie since you in position, identity, and union have laid aside the old man and are continually being renewed, being a new creation, right? So then, we are commanded to lay aside the old ways of the old man like a filthy garment. Remember, Christ is our life. And it's only through him who we can do that. Now you can understand how Paul can say, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live now in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. So then struggling with anger, struggling with bitterness, struggling with wrath, struggling with these things. Let all bitterness, all wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you and all malice. Do it today as Christ renews your heart and mind with his word and enables you to do what is right. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. If you're a believer, you're not the old man anymore. You're a new creation. In that new relationship with Christ, trust him and obey him and he will set you free. The Lord has set you free. You are free indeed. May we not be angry people. May we confess when we fail. May we be those who trust you. Trust the Lord. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, 
All our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, we need to make a decision to renew our minds. Would you reiterate how we are to do that in light of what we've been taught today? Absolutely, Dave. We need to set our mind on the things above, not the things of earth. And once we do this, we can, by the power of the Holy Spirit, say no or put off sin by God's great power in us. You see, we've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer us living, but Christ lives in us through faith. So with that in mind, we need to renew our minds by allowing his word to change our minds. It's really that simple. We need to be in the word of God, and we need to trust the God of the word who is in us. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you'd like a complimentary CD of today's broadcast, call us toll free at one 800 596-9144 that's 800-596-9144 if you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email our email address is contact at etsradio.org well we hope you'll make plans to join us again tomorrow right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints Equipping the Saints is a broadcast ministry of Equipping Bible Church yeah.